Good morning. It's so good to be with you this morning. It's still hard for me to believe that this is the last Sunday of 2019. I don't know where the year has gone, uh, but it's, it has gone quickly. And uh, I want to share with you just a few short verses out of Luke this morning. If you want to turn to Luke, verse 46. And this is a time of year that we often stop and we think about where am I in life? Where am I going in life? We stop and think about New Year's resolutions. We stop and think about just so many different things. And, and this morning, as we read through these verses, I'm just asking that the Holy Spirit will speak to all of us. Where do we fit into the picture we're going to read this morning? Because we fit in one of these three categories. And where do we fit in to, to the people we're going to read about today? And God, what is it, if anything, I need to do? So I just pray that the Holy Spirit will speak to us, that he will show us, that he will teach us as we look at this passage together. And uh, we're, I'm reading out of Luke, but this is, uh, this is Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount. If you want to read the complete Sermon on the Mount, we'll look Matthew 5, 6, and 7. But we're going to look at Luke uh, today where he kind of summarizes the Sermon on the Mount and we come up with these verses. And uh, this is... Uh, a sermon that I've been teaching on in my life group and walking through, read a wonderful book on just God has used to impact my life. But these final verses come to us where Jesus is talking to us, and he starts in verse 46, the first group of people here. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I think the first group of people that Jesus is addressing here, these are the people that uh, they identify as Christians. Lord, Lord, you know, Jesus is Lord, I'm a Christian, okay? Well, what does Scripture have to do with how you live your life? Well, Jesus is Lord, He's, he, I'm a Christian. Well, uh, how does your relationship with Jesus affect what you do? Well, Jesus is Lord and I'm a Christian. And these are people that identify as being Christians, but in all honesty, if, you, if they really would stop and think through and pray through, Really, their relationship with Jesus and the power of his word has zero effect in their lives. They identify as being a Christian, not sure that they have a personal relationship with Jesus, though, because you see zero effect of that in their life. And Jesus had these people following him. Remember, he had, how many people he had following him at times, and why were they following? They called him Lord, Lord, because they wanted something. I want to be healed. I want this to go away. I want to receive this. I want something from you, God, but I don't want to obey you. That's, that's, no, this is about me. This isn't about you. And so he had people following him, and, and we see that with the feeding of 5,000, and he shares some strong words with them, and most of them walk away because they really didn't believe he was God. Because if they really believed he was God, they would have stayed with him. His 12 disciples stayed with him. Most everybody else left because they identified him, Lord, Lord. They called him that, but there wasn't a personal relationship. They didn't really believe it, and when push came to shove, it was all about them and not about him. So that's the first group of people we have here. The second group, verse 47, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when a flood occurred and the torrent burst against that house, 
It could not shake it because it had been well built. So the second group, this is a group that have come to Jesus. They've come to him to hear him. They, they come and they've actually heard. They've heard what he said. They tuned in. They've heard. And it says, and then they acted. Now, to give you a little background here, because I had to do a little background study on this, the, the, sand, the sand around the Sea of Galilee in the dry season will become as hard as concrete. How many of y'all have ever drive, tried to drive a T-post in the middle of summertime here? I mean, it feels like concrete, doesn't it? Well, that's how the sand would be. The sand was so baked that it felt like concrete. I mean, it was, it was solid as could be. And so some of them would say, well, this sand is solid, this foundation's solid. I'm just going to build my house here on the sand. It's solid as it can be. Why would I not use this as my foundation? The wise builder, on the other hand, would come over here, and from excavation work that's been done in the 70s, uh, that they have found that there's solid rock about 10 feet down. Now, again, 10 feet's a long ways to dig. But if you dug 10 feet down in the sand, you would hit solid rock. And they have found houses that were built on that solid rock. And so, from a geological point of view, we have the group over here that the sand feels very hard, it's solid, I'm going to build my house here. And then we have the group over here that says, no, I'm going to take the effort to dig 10 feet down, I'm going to dig down to the rock, and I'm going to build my house on the rock. So that's the background for this passage. So let's look a little bit about, about what they do. First of all, it says they come. So they're involved with God's Word. That means that they are reading and meditating. That means they are listening. In today's term, this would be people who listen to sermons, go to Bible studies. They are coming and being exposed to God's Word. They're praying. They're listening for God to talk to them. They are, they are coming to God and reading His Word, listening to His Word, or involved with His Word, okay? Then the second thing it says, that not only do they come, but they hear. I was sitting at lunch the other day, and I thought this was so funny. Uh, the person sitting there at the table said, I need you not to hear me. I need you to listen to me. Actually, I said that backwards. She said, I don't want you to listen to me. I want you to hear what I have to say. And I, I thought that was so funny. I kind of thought about that because uh, have you ever felt that way with somebody? I know you're listening to me, but I don't think you're hearing me. And uh, as I thought about this, I thought, and was reading this passage and studying this passage again, I think God probably says that to me sometimes. Randy, I think you're listening, but I don't think you're hearing. I have something to share with you, and you act like you're listening, but you're not hearing what I have to say. These people came and exposed yourself to God's Word. Again, whether that was Scripture, hearing sermons, praying, they exposed themselves. Then they not only heard, but they listened. They listened to the Word. They were active listeners. They thought about, what does this Word teach me about God? What does this Word teach me about myself? What does this Word teach me about how I should relate to God? What does this Word teach me about how I should relate to people around me? What does this Word say about how I should treat lost people? And, and in fact, I'm, I'm engaged with the Word. I'm not just reading it to gain facts, but I'm engaged with what's being said. Rather, again, whether I'm reading it, listening to it, praying, I'm engaged with it and saying, God, what is it you're telling me? Now, how many of y'all are going to be honest here? How many of y'all have ever heard a lesson and you looked around and you said, I hope so-and-so is hearing today's lesson? Okay. 
or sometimes we'll read a lesson in the morning and I go, I'm going to post this in Facebook because so-and-so needs to hear this, so I'm going to post this so maybe they'll hear it. Okay, we're too guilty sometimes of reading God's Word, engaging with God's Word, hoping someone else gets it. He says I need to be engaged with God's Word to get what He's teaching me. What is He teaching me? It's, it's one of the, the struggles I had in, in teaching. and uh, I've been teaching... Sunday school life group now for about 40 years. So I started when I was five. Uh, and, uh, you know, one of the things I had, I, there was a time period that I really struggled in my walk because I was always reading to prepare to teach. I wasn't reading to prepare to hear for God to speak to me. And I remember those times being really hard times in my walk because I was not engaged with God's word for what he's speaking to me. I was only engaged with what is it you want me to share out there with other people. And if you're a teacher of some kind, I'm telling you, these, this can happen to you. And if you get in that habit, you will go through a dry time. Because it's about what God is sharing with you. He will make it clear after he teaches you, out of the overflow of that, what he wants you to teach other people. But we have to, to be able to come to him. We have to listen to him. And then the next part, the key difference in the two builders it says, then we have to act upon it. How often do we get up in the morning or in the evening, whatever your habit is? Uh, mine's in the morning because by 9 o'clock, I'm falling asleep on the couch trying to wait for the 10 o'clock news. So my time to read God's Word is in the morning. But whenever you approach God's Word, how many times do you read God's Word and you get through and you lay your Bible down or your iPad or your phone or however you're reading God's Word, you lay it down, and you go, well, I've read his word for today. And you haven't stopped and said, God, what, what do you want to tell me today? I mean, we wouldn't do that with people, I hope. I hope I wouldn't get up and listen to Carla talk about our day and then just walk off and never hear anything she said I needed to do today. I hope I wouldn't do that to a person. But I, I'm afraid too often we do that with God's word. We get up and we read it. But we never ask, okay, God, what are you speaking to me personally today? What are you calling me to action to today? And again, that action doesn't always mean I need to get up and go do something. Maybe that action means, God, man, I've been missing just how much in control you are. Thank you for the reminder today of helping me to see that you truly are in control. So it could be, it could be a change in our refining of our beliefs. Or it could be a refining in our actions of how we treat others. But how often do we slow down to truly ask God, God, what is, the, what is it you have for me today as I read your word? And uh, God, I just pulled out four verses to show you how, how serious God is about this. And I'm going to go through these quickly. I'm sorry, maybe they'll be up on the screen. The first one is James 1.22. It says, but prove yourself doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. Prove yourself doers of the word, not merely hearers who delude themselves. Been deluded before? You heard the word? You said, I've done my job for today. I've read my Bible for today. I've listened to my podcast today. I've done whatever today. And are you deluding yourself because you didn't become doers of the word, merely hearers? The next one is John 15, 14. God says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Again, he doesn't say, 
you're my friend if you get up and read my word every morning, but it has zero effect on you. He says, I expect obedience to come with being engaged with me through my word and through prayer. Romans 2.13. But it's not the hearers of the law who are just before God, but the doers of the law will be justified. And one last one in Luke 8.21. But he answered and said to them, My mother and my brother are these who hear the word of God and do it. I think, I think if I asked you, we'd all have to be honest, how many of you know more scripture than you practice? We're supposed to be doers of the word. And I'm, I'm thinking now, now I'm just talking for me, okay? Because for me, I think that I read the word and I go, God, that was a great word. And then I get up and the busyness of my day takes my thoughts totally off of the word and I never think about acting upon the word again because the busyness of my day takes over. I, I'm trying to learn, and, and uh, I, I'm just so good with change. Uh, so changing is just so easy for me. I, I'm one of those people that Carla could tell you the first 15 minutes of my life every day what I'm going to do. I mean, I'm that routine. But I'm trying to, to make it a point to read God's word and then just take another five to ten minutes and stop. And just stop doing everything, not praying, just stop and saying, God, I just need to hear the actions you're calling me to out of this. And it's going to take being purposeful to do that. If you're not purposeful to do that, I promise you the busyness of the day will take your thoughts off the word and you will not act upon the word that you've just read. Now, I think this is so important because when we act on God's word is when we truly begin to understand who God is. Uh, I, Carl and I were talking as I was talking through my, my illustrations and my, my kids uh, always ask me, oh no, dad's preaching, am I in any of your illustrations? And I always tell them, I decide my illustrations at the time I'm preaching because something better may come to mind when I look out and see you. And so uh, my kids are always a little concerned when I'm preaching about my illustrations. But uh, I just wanted to share a few with Carla and I. We were in college working on our degrees when we started dating. And through the dating process, when we knew we were going to get married, we had talked a lot. We had prayed about it a lot. And uh, Carla and I both have master's degrees in counseling. And we agreed, though, that when we get married, if God decides to bless us with children, when our children are young, She's not going to work outside the home. Now, I promise you that her parents, who had paid for her to have a master's degree, did not understand when we told them that God had shared that with us. If my kids had told me that, I probably would have struggled too. And yet, God said, this is what I want, and we were obedient to that. God saw us through all of that. We, uh, we both, I, I graduated with my degree in about... I guess nine months later, Carla graduated with her master's degree. And so, uh, you know, you get through with your degree, and you're supposed to go get a job, right? And God said, I want the two of you to go to Canada and spend six months up there doing mission work, unpaid, and you have nothing. I mean, uh, we were the typical college, young married college kids that had zero money, zero anything. And uh, we said, okay, God, we'll go. And we're up there for three months, and uh, 
God wanting to teach us a lesson. We go to renew our visas, and we're talking to the Canadian immigration, and they said, we've been watching you. We know you're in the country illegally. We know you're doing illegal things. I've been told to watch the two of you, and I'm not renewing your visas because I think you've been working here. And I said, I promise you, sir, we have not been working here. And uh, we've done exactly what the letter we brought into immigration when we came across the border said. We've done exactly that. I've preached in churches. I've taught. That's all we've done. And he said, my definition of work, if you've done anything that someone could reasonably be expected to be paid for, you've worked. He said, if you've given someone a ride to church, you deprived a taxi from giving them that ride, you've worked. And, uh, and we're looking at each other and uh, not knowing what's going on. Oh, that same week, we also found out Carla was pregnant. And that same week, we also rode our car. And so uh, we're going, God... You told us, and we trust we're being obedient. Now, I'm not saying I did that first day. I, I kind of remember we rode the car, and when we rode the car, we're two miles from civilization. So we have to, thankfully, the, a van full of people stopped and helped us roll it back on the wheels, helped us push it back up on the road, and we drove two hours back to civilization. I, I will not say I showed a lot of faith in that two hours. But through the time that came after that, God says, I got this. The fact that y'all are pregnant is no surprise to me. The fact that you rolled your car is no surprise to me. The fact that you're being asked to leave the country is no surprise to me. I got this. So we leave the country, as we're told. They literally said, you've got to leave Canada, drive around the flagpole of the United States, come back into Canada, and get this different kind of visa because of what you're doing. And when I said, well, I told them exactly what I was doing, they said, well, you have the wrong paperwork, and it's your fault, not our fault. Okay, okay. so God's showing his faithfulness, so we leave the country, and again, we're trusting God. We don't pack everything. We're assuming they're going to let us back in. We drive, I don't remember, 300 miles or something to the border. We drive, we go around the flagpole, we come back in. I show them the same letter, and they go, oh, well, you need a minister visa. Now, with this minister visa, you can do church work and be paid for it, and you can do these things, and, uh, and I mean, and so we were, and I, at that time, I was kind of an interim pastor of a church in, in Love, Saskatchewan. And so when I went back and told them that, they said, well, we've been wanting to pay you and hadn't been able to because it wasn't legal. So now we want to pay you for being here. And so God had all this in control the whole time. He wanted to say, Randy, will you trust me? Do you really believe, even when everything looks like it's going wrong, do you really believe I'm in control, that I'm going to do what I said I was going to do? And because of that, when uh, a few years later, God says, leave your job in Dallas and, and go to Bryan College Station and start a school. With, and this is no students in this school and no form of income. And uh, we had just bought a house two years before. And so we said, are you sure, God? And he said, that's what I want you to do. That's what I'm telling you to do. And so we obeyed and we came down here. Uh, we started the school. We lived in a travel trailer. Uh, for nine months and uh, God taught us and he led us our parents thought we were nuts okay uh, and I could go on and on but my point I'm trying to make is God took Carl and I in little steps will you trust me with this okay will you trust me with this and it's as we learn to trust God to hear God's voice to trust him and to act upon that he was able to take us more and more. 
to then nine years ago, or 13, uh, 12 years ago, said one day, out of the blue, uh, you're selling your company. Uh, and, wh- and it was neat how God did that. He had one of my customers said, God told me to buy your company. And I said, well, it's not for sale. And he said, well, God told me to buy it. So I went home and told Carla, and she said, please call him back because I feel like we need to sell the company. And uh, let's see what he does. God sold the company. Then at 50, he asked me to go back to school. I promise you, uh, degrees are easier in your 20s than they are when you're 50. Though at 50, I had a computer, which made life a little easier than at 20 when I didn't have a computer. Okay? But we've watched God take us through this. And then again, even that, I was thinking this morning, just laughing, when God said, Randy, I want you to go to seminary, I said, uh, do you realize that I have three kids at A&M? Carla's, just, Carla's taking classes at Sam, and you want me to go to school too? That's five of us going to school. And he said, yeah, I, I got this. And that was about the time that the tax break came out that you could take all your college tuition off of your taxes. And God paid for our schools. And God took care of it. And I'm just saying, we've got to get to the point that when God asks you to do things that your family and your friends may say, this is absurd, you've got to be obedient to what God's telling you to do. When you do that, you truly build the foundation of rock we're talking about here. And then when the storms come, they're going to come. Compound trauma is going to come. Chronic stress is going to come. We can handle those when we've learned to trust God, when we've learned to act on what he says, when we've learned to believe what his word says. We, we can handle this. And I'm not saying you won't be shaken, okay? You may be shaken, but you're not going to be knocked off your foundation because your foundation is rock. It's Jesus Christ. It's a relationship with him. It's being obedient to what his word says. It's believing that his words what it is, means what it says and not trying to explain it away. When we do that, we have the firm foundation. Unfortunately, we have verse 49 that says, but the one who heard, so they heard the word, and in Matthew it says they come and they heard, so they've come and been exposed to the word and has not acted accordingly as like a man who built his house on the ground without any foundation, and the torrents burst against it and immediately it collapsed, and the ruin of that house was great. Now sometimes we build on foundations that aren't Jesus. And I think some of those foundations we build upon is, I got a nice bank account. I can handle whatever life comes. I got a good job. I can handle whatever life comes. I have my health. I can handle whatever life comes. I'm a self-made man. I can handle whatever life comes. I can do all these things. The problem is we don't know what storm's going to hit us. And in every one of those areas, I've watched people, the storms hit them, I've watched people who had great jobs and all of a sudden that business go out of business and they have nothing. I've had people who had great bank accounts and then something happens that takes all the money away. I've seen people who've been in perfect health, exercised every day, ran, did all these things, and all of a sudden their health is taken from them. We may think these are foundations, but they're like building upon that sand. They're solid for a little while, but when the floods come and the storms come, that sand would turn to just almost like jello, and their houses would fall down, 
if our foundation is on anything besides Jesus Christ, when the storms come, when that compound stress comes, when the trauma after trauma after trauma comes, we're not able to handle that in our own strength. We can only handle that in Jesus Christ. So what are you committed to in this new year? I'm the education guy. You might think, I'm committed to read God's word more. That's a good thing. Don't stop there. I'm committed for more regular, be more regular in church attendance. That's a good thing. Scripture tells us to. I haven't been involved in a life group. I'm going to get involved in a life group. That's a great thing. But none of it stops there. Or you can decide I'm going to slow down. I'm going to hear God's word and really listen. And then I'm going to act upon God's word because I trust him and I believe him. And I'm going to do what he's telling me to do. That's my challenge to you as we enter the new year. Yes, I want you reading your scripture more. Yes, I want you involved in this church. Yes, I want you involved in a life group. All these things will impact your life, but they're not enough if they end there. All those things have to lead you to truly hearing God and then acting upon what he's telling you to do. That's what will build the foundation. That's what will give you that firm foundation that you can handle whatever 2020 brings. We don't know what 2020 is going to bring. I can't even believe I'm saying the words 2020. You know, We don't know what it's going to bring. But I know the one who does know what it's going to bring. I do believe he is in control. I do believe he will walk us through it. And I may feel floods at times. I may feel storms at times. I may feel like the walls of my life are being beat against. But if he's my rock sound foundation, I will not be shaken off my foundation because nothing can shake him. And nothing can separate me from his love and the power he has in my life. So that's my challenge to us this morning. Are we willing to do that? Are we willing to be involved in God's word? Are we willing to act upon that word and to do the things God is calling us to do? Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your faithfulness. And Father, I'm so thankful that no matter what storms come, you cannot be shaken. Father, I just ask that your Holy Spirit clearly show each and every one of us if there's any cracks in our foundations. Please show us if we have not built on the correct foundation so that we can correct that today. And Father, if there's some here that do not know you, I pray that they will build that foundation on you starting today pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So with your eyes closed and praying, I just ask you, if God is calling you today, and you know as you've listened today, I don't have that foundation because I've never met Jesus Christ, I ask you to come down this morning and talk to one of us and let us share with you how to have a relationship with Jesus. If you're sitting here today and you realize, man, I have not, I have not been serious about acting upon God's word, I've listened. I've come, I've listened, but I haven't been acting upon it. I pray today there where you sit that you'll just make the commitment. God, I'm going to be obedient to you. I'm going to truly build my foundation on you. And if God's leading you to come join us in this church, we'd love to have you. So as the music plays, please come.